Blog Talk Radio. All right. Let's stand together. Let's take our red songbook. Let's turn to number 36. We're going to sing a shelter in a time of storm. Number 36. Christ with him, shared the gospel with him, and 
he led his grandson to the Lord last Sunday and just want to praise God for that. He just broke down in tears of joy telling me that story yesterday. I just want to thank God for that and him using Grant and letting him still get the glory, give God the glory with his life and, and be used of God. And what a blessing that is. Uh, you know, he, he you know, he, it's just that just shows you something right there. He, Grant, Grant, so weak, he had a hard time getting around the, the room, getting around the house. He's not, a, I mean, he's limited as to what he can do physically, but he's still able to win a soul to Christ. And I'll tell you, we got plenty of strength that we're not using. We have plenty of ability we're not using for the Lord. But anyway, I uh, just wanted to praise God for that and share that bit of information. Um, also, Bonnie said to me to be sure and let everybody know that we will be eating next Sunday. Uh, we're going to have a uh, fellowship meal here after service, and it'll be our fifth Sunday. And uh, also, uh, Miss Nell is having a 93rd birthday party we're going to have for her. So she said it would be potluck. She's going to be here. Uh, she wanted, wanted to, everybody to be looking forward to that. Um, I think that's all she wanted me to tell everybody. Pretty sure. But anyway, anybody else? Prayer request? Yes, sir. Praying for you all. Miss Charlotte, her hand got stung by a wasp and all swole up on her. Pray for that. Y'all pray for me this morning. I'm down in my back. I think y'all probably already know that. Most of you know that. I'm real, real bad down in my back, but I can get through it. God will give me grace. Just pray for me this morning. Others, prayer requests? Okay. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah, Bonnie told me, said, that you, you, you asked for prayer requests, and then I can't hear who's giving a prayer request. So that's Donnie's mom, and she's having surgery tomorrow. So, okay. That way she can hear what's being said. Anybody? Yes, Miss Charlotte? And yes, precious angel came. She's having Okay. Your friend Angel K. Pray for her. All right. Uh, pray for my wife. She's homesick this morning. Pray that she gets over her stomach problem. When she woke up sick in the middle of the night, pray for her. Pray I don't get it. And pray for our baby. She don't get it. Anybody else? Any prayer requests? Okay, Miss Linda, we she'll be praying for you. All right, and and she sent you a, a prayer request on Miss Ruby. Did you get that? No, Miss Charlene. Uh, Charlene. Charlene. I'm sorry. Charlene. It's on the prayer list, but I'll update it next week. I've got it on the phone. Okay. That's okay. I just want to make sure she you get it. She had pneumonia. She's just got a hospital. Um, there were several things. Yeah, I remember several things she mentioned yesterday. Mm-hmm. Lift up Miss Charlene in prayer. All right. Uh, and Tammy and them, uh, they're, they're at that church having that, that baptism. So remember to pray for Tammy and their family, too. And we just praise God over the birth of Blake. She's just adorable little thing, and we just thank God for that. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You can be seated. Bring them in, bring them in. 
the wandering ones to find, who'll bring the lost ones to the fold, where they'll be sheltered from the cold. Bring them in, bring them in, bring them in from the fields of sin. Bring them in, bring them in, bring the wandering ones to Jesus. Out in the desert, hear their cry. Out on the mountains, wild and high. Art is the master, speaks to thee. Go find my sheep wherever they be. Bring them in, bring them in, bring them in from the fields of sin. Bring them in, bring them in. Bring the wandering ones to Jesus. 342. 342. I gave my life for thee. 342. I gave my life for thee. My precious blood I shed That thou might ransom thee And quicken from the dead I gave, I gave my life for thee What hast thou given for me? I gave, I gave my life for thee What hast thou given for me? My Father's house of life, my glory circle throne. I left for earthly night, for wandering sad and lone. I left, I left it all for thee, as thou left all for me. I left, I left it all for thee. As thou lift all for me, I suffered much for thee, more than thy tongue can tell. A bitterest agony to rescue thee from hell. I born, I born it all for thee, and hast thou born for me. I born, I born it all for thee. What hast thou born for me? And I have brought to thee down from my home above. Salvation full and free, my pardon and my love. I bring, I bring rich gifts to thee. What hast thou brought to me? I bring, I bring rich gifts to thee. What hast thou brought to me? Amen. That's a good question. Amen. We ought to examine ourselves regularly to see what we've been bringing to Jesus. Number 90. Number 90. We're going to sing Living by Faith in Jesus Above. Number 90. I care not today what the morrow may bring If shadow or sunshine or rain The Lord I know ruleth o'er everything And all of my worry is vain Living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in his great love. From all harm safe, in his sheltering arms, I'm living by faith and feel no alarm. Though tempests may blow and the storm clouds arise, obscuring the brightness of life, 
I'm never alarmed at the overcast skies. The master looks on at the strife. Living by faith in Jesus above. Trusting, confiding in his great love. From all harm's safe in his sheltering arms. I'm living by faith and feel no
And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture, and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotos, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, I come before your presence this morning, and I sure need you. I can't do this without you. I'd be a mess if I tried. Lord, I just I put this, this message into your hands, and Father, the best I know how, I take my hands away, and I ask you to fully control me, use me, and speak through me this morning. The words that I speak, Lord, I pray that they honor, magnify, and glorify my Savior. Lord, I pray the Spirit of God would deal with each and every heart under the sound of my voice. Lord, you know their need. You know exactly what what's needs to be applied, what needs to be taken away. Father, I pray you do your work by the Spirit of God. Lord, you do your work in me by the Spirit of God. And we'll all come together and glorify the Son in all that's done. And we give him the glory. We magnify Jesus and we thank you. We ask you to forgive our sins and cleanse us, make us vessels you can pour into. And we'll give you glory. Help us to glean from the message today what you'd have us to know. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, this is a very unusual story. It doesn't seem unusual because we've read it a lot of times. We've heard it all through our life. And, and, uh, but well, some really unusual things took place on this day. And Philip, we see Philip who's, uh, you know, a lot of people mistakenly call Philip a deacon. They call Stephen and Philip deacons. But Philip and Stephen were never called to be deacons. They were evangelists. They were called to preach and proclaim the, the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, anyway, as we look into this, I want us to begin, let's, let's go ahead and dig into the Scripture, and, and we're going to go verse by verse this morning, and we're going to glean what all we can glean out of this passage of Scripture. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip. All right, who is that angel of the Lord we're talking about? Well, if you look back in the Old Testament, you, you'll see that it is, I believe with all my heart, it is pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. When, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Abraham outside his tent and talked to him about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, and that was Jesus that showed up there. So I believe when it's saying the angel of the Lord here, I believe it's talking about the Spirit of God because we know Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. So I believe with everything in me, when he says the angel of the Lord, he's simply speaking about the Spirit of God or the Holy Ghost. The angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down to Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. So I understand what's going on here. Philip has gone down to Samaria, and he preached Christ to them down there. Y'all remember what happened? Anybody remember what happened last week? What happened in Samaria? Did everybody get mad and throw him out of town? No, they got saved. The Bible tells us that, that, that they received what he said. They, they, well, as a matter of fact, let me, let me, just, let me just say, let me say, Verse 6 of chapter 8, it says, And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles that he did. He preached Christ, and they all turned with one accord to Christ. So there was a great, gigantic revival taking place in Samaria. Y'all understand that? I mean, things were good. People would get saved everywhere. There was a spirit, the Spirit of the Lord was present everywhere. When revival breaks out, 
I mean, things happen. I mean, the 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 the, the bootleggers they get run out of town. The drug dealers they get they get shut down. The bars close when revival really happens. And if you really don't interested in it, you ought to you ought to get some books and read, or get online and read about the revivals that took place in America. Those kind of things happen. I mean, listen, they 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 did. The, the bars turned out. They shut down. The stores closed. Everything, and they had revivals. So that's the kind of thing that's taking place in Samaria. Uh, Simon the sorcerer, who, had, who had, by his witchcraft had, had fooled a bunch of people in town because they were all they were all of Ju- uh, they were all converts to Judaism, and we know the Jews require signs, so they saw all these miracles occurring, and they, they were all like, "Wow, this guy really must be working for God. He's able to do miracles." So when he got saved, that everything changed. I mean, all of it changed, and all of a sudden, in the middle of all this big powerful meeting, and you know Philip's loving it. God says, it's time to leave the revival, Philip. I need you to go out in the middle of nowhere. That was hard. That was a hard thing to hear, I'm sure, for Philip. I, I would have I would have had a hard time. I mean, I would have been like, I don't know. I get this feeling I'm supposed to go somewhere, but I don't know. It sure is good here. I, I might have had to argue with God a little bit because, man, you don't, you've been, I mean, how long have we been waiting on revival to take place? How long in our lifetimes have we been waiting for revival to break out? If we had a big revival meeting going on here and somebody said, I need you to go, Way out in the middle of West Texas somewhere, I'd be like, man, there's a revival going on here. But God knows what he's doing. The reason I say this is because Philip couldn't see what was down the road, but God could. So he told him to leave the revival, and Philip was obedient to God, and he was obedient to his faith in God. He wasn't obedient to his feelings. I want you to understand that. In this day and time, people go off their feelings, 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 feelings. And feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God. Not else is worth believing. Amen? That, listen, you can't go off what you feel. You, your feelings are tied to your flesh. We make this, we get this idea that our feelings come from something besides our flesh. But our flesh is rotten to the core. And your feelings will lie to you. A lot of times our feelings come from a very selfish place. Even though we don't want to admit it, they truly do. We feel sorry for ourselves. We have a pity party because we got in our feelings. we got to watch that because God, the truth ought to be in charge, not our feelings. So Philip didn't listen to his feelings. He went on down there. He went where God told him to go. And I'm sure he felt like staying where the revival was. And I, I, you would not would. But anyway, so God sends Philip out on this 80 to 100-mile journey down this winding desert road and there's no. I've, I've looked at the map. I got. I got. I got out the map and put it on satellite and looked at the terrain that he walked. And my goodness, he went down a hilly, sandy, dirty, dusty road for eighty to hundred miles. And I bet he was on foot. I would be. I'd be kicking rocks, saying, "God, why? There ain't nothing down here but me being thirsty and <laughs> there ain't nothing to look at." I mean, what in the world are you doing? But like the Apostle Paul in Acts 24, verse 19, Philip was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. As Paul said to King Agrippa, I wasn't disobedient. He followed what God said. Like Abraham, he obeyed and he went out not knowing whether he went. So God calls us to do some things sometimes, but we don't understand what he's doing. Look at verse 27. Verse 27. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. Now, when we read that, we see Ethiopia, immediately we, we see little little black children with, with swollen bellies, hungry, and asking for food and all that. Uh, that. That is a place called Ethiopia today, but modern Ethiopia in the Bible was not the country of Ethiopia as we know it today. The country of Ethiopia, and if you're familiar with the continent of Africa, and I, I imagine most of us have forgotten what we learned in geography class, but you know it looks like a skull facing yonder way. Okay? Well, right about the nose up in there, Egypt's in the top in the forehead. All right, well, right under Egypt, the bottom part of Egypt, Nile runs down here. So right underneath Egypt, there's there's an area, which is Sudan now, but part of, most all of Sudan was what was called Ethiopia back in that day. So it's not exactly, it's actually uh, the nation of Nubia. You've heard of Nubian this and Nubian that. That refers to African things. Well, it, there was a continent, I mean, oh, on that continent, there was a country 
referred to as Nubia, and it was one time called Moreau, but it's just south of Egypt, eastward to the, to the Red Sea, and the Bible talks about this place. In Genesis 2.13, the Bible says, and the name of the second river is Gahon. Now, the Gahon River is the Nile River. That, that same is that that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. So it goes all the way around it. So if you look where the Nile River goes down out south of Egypt and curls back around, you'll see the country that was called Ethiopia during that day. So, but we see here also that this man was a eunuch. Now, what does that mean? It means that he's had some parts removed as a male. Uh, and, but they were given important jobs. Now, why were they given these important jobs? I mean, confidential jobs, like top, top secret jobs are very, very important jobs. They, they, because here's the reason. If you had a man who had a family and children, he might have thoughts of, I'm going to get my child into this government thing. I'm going to get my, I'll undercut somebody to advance somebody in my family. That was the thinking. So they, they had a unit fill at position, so there was no possible heir to fall, to fall into any kind of fortune. So they didn't have that problem, and they didn't have to worry about their wives because eunuchs had no interest in women. So anyway, that was why a eunuch was in that position. But then you see the name Candace here. It says Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. Now, I understand Candace. It's really not Candace. It's Candace. But it, it, Candace is a name like Pharaoh. It's a name like Caesar. It's not a name of a woman, but she was a woman, but it, it's a title. So she was the queen of Ethiopia. All right? Now let's look at verse 28. Verse 28. The Bible said he was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he read Isaiah the prophet. Okay, he came, he came down there for a reason. He came to Jerusalem for Pentecost. He was a converted uh, Jew. He is a proselyte. So he was a Gentile that had become a Jew or by, by faith, uh, converting. So anyway, he, and, and think about this. He must have been a very powerful man and a very trusted member of the uh, of, uh, Kandase's court to have had the liberty to leave there and go on this long journey. I mean, it was a long journey to Jerusalem. And to stay there, he stayed there all through Pentecost. And he stayed there after Pentecost up until this time, which is quite some time after Pentecost. And he had that liberty to go and stay that long. But he loved God. He had converted, and he, he, had, he had been reading the Old Testament. And, he, and, and, and by the way, he's reading out of a scroll of Isaiah. Now, I know you probably don't know this, but there wasn't just bookstores on every corner that had Bibles. To have a scroll of Isaiah, you had to have a lot of money to buy that. And without a doubt, he probably bought that while he was there for Pentecost in Jerusalem, probably paid high ransom for that. And so we picture him. He's in his chariot. He's going back home, and he's reading the scroll as they go down, go down this dusty road. All right, verse 29. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. That's an awkward command, if you ask me. Here I am, walking down, I'm Philip, I'm trotting down the road, this dusty road on this long journey. I'm covered in dirt, walking along. Here I hear this chariot rolling along. Look back, Lord, it's probably decked in gold and jewels and everything else. And who knows what this man's dressed in. And I mean, they're obviously not around here going by, and God says, hey, go talk to that guy. Out in the middle of absolute nowhere, on a desert road, in the middle of nowhere, these two meet up. And the eunuch, he's busy. He's reading out loud, and Philip jogs up alongside of it. He's like, hey, understand that what they're reading? Verse 29. I just read that, didn't I? Okay, I just read that. I'll read it again. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself in this chariot. So, now, Philip could have come up with excuses if he wanted one. He didn't have a hard time coming up with excuses. He didn't want, if he didn't want, had not wanted to obey God, I mean, he could have said, Hey, God, this, me and this guy ain't the same race. It's going to be weird. You know, I don't know. I ain't never talking about him down there. I don't know nothing about these people. He could have come up with a reason there and said, Well, you know, I don't know they might like me. I'm different than them. You know, there's a lot of people who won't witness somebody's different color than them because they don't, they don't know 
Well, are they gonna are they gonna accept me? Are they gonna are they gonna tell me to get out of their face? Quit talking to them? I tell you right now, that that makes absolutely zero difference. What color your skin is? Everybody's got a soul. Everybody needs to be saved. It makes no difference. He could have said, "Well, you know, this is a rich guy, God. You can tell by his." By everything he's got, he's a very wealthy man. And here I am, poor guy walking down the road, and he's dirty clothes. He ain't going to listen to me. A lot of people look at it from that point. They say, well, I'm, I'm afraid to talk to anybody who's got any money because they'll, they'll get in my face or they'll tell me to leave them alone. Or... There's all kinds of excuses. They say, well, I, you know, I'm not as powerful. I'm not as influential as that guy. He ain't going to hear anything I say. He was a stranger in the middle of nowhere. There's a lot of variables there. There's a lot of unknowns. But they had one thing in common, maybe, besides being both men. They both had a sin nature, and they both needed Jesus Christ. That's one thing, that's one common denominator that draws us all together. We all have a sin nature, and we all need Christ. Look at verse 30. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? Now, I already said he was reading out loud. And it was customary back, back in those days and amongst those cultures, if someone was to read, they read out loud, not quietly to themselves. Don't ask me why, but that's, that's what I learned about that. But I figure he's probably reading to his chariot driver. They're riding along, they're on this long, who knows how many hundreds of miles on this trip. They're just down in the middle of nowhere, and he's got his scroll out. He says, hey, let me read this to you. So he's reading out loud, loudly his chariot driver and I kind of wonder in my mind as I'm looking at this story in my mind because I mean when I read the Bible I don't just read it like I'm reading newsprint I try to let it play a little movie in my head I try to I try to see the scene I'm reading and I picture him on that lonely desert road and again he's uh, he's, he's, he's reading the scroll and he's engrossed in what he's reading he's reading out loud the chariot driver listening to him and all of a sudden here comes Philip out of nowhere I wonder if he even heard Philip come he may have jumped him out of his skin when Philip said something to him. I always get tickled when I think about that. God didn't put that in there, but I kind of see that in my mind. He probably jumped. Don't you imagine? What the hell was that reading? Huh? What? Where'd you come from, you know? But uh, anyhow, Philip found him reading a passage in Isaiah 53. And that passage in Isaiah 53 is prophesying about the Lord Jesus Christ. And out of all the passages in the entire Bible... For the unit to be reading, when Philip approached him, God gave him the very best one to work with that he could have possibly worked with. I'm telling you, all through this story, I just see the providence of God again and again and again. In spite of man, in spite of man's failures, in spite of everything else that could have been a detractor, God provided everything that was needed. And you're going to see this. All right? So, look at verse 31. And he said, so he asked him, he said, do you understand Do you understand what you're reading? Verse 31, and he said, how can I? Except some man should guide me. And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. So Philip climbs up into the chariot with the chariot driver. Now, this, this eunuch is obviously being dealt with by the Spirit of God. He's obviously, God's working on him. God had been preparing him. You think about it. He came, to, he came to the Jewish faith somehow or another and then made this long pilgrimage up to Jerusalem to be there for the Feast of Pentecost. He is definitely a devout Jew, and he's earnestly seeking to know what's going on. All right? And I'm, I'm about to jump ahead of myself, so I'm going to hold myself back just a minute. But, again, I, I noticed what he said there in verse 31. He said, How can I accept some man should guide me. Immediately my mind went to Romans ten fourteen, which says, How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Here he was. Somewhere between 80 to 100 miles south of Jerusalem, in the middle of the cotton-picking desert. They wasn't a McDonald's. They wasn't a, they wasn't a gas station. They wasn't nothing for miles. He couldn't see nothing but dirt and hills. He's reading earnestly, seeking after to find out who in the world God is talking about here because he sees that there is salvation to be had. He sees there's something there that he needs and he doesn't understand it. 
and the Holy Ghost is dealing with him, and God sends a preacher out of nowhere. You see how interested God is in being, people being saved? God isn't playing around about this. <clears throat> God provided what was necessary. Look at verse 32 and 33. And the place of the Scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb before his shear, lamb dumb before his shear, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? Now, that's what he was reading. Now, I want us to compare that, and you don't have to turn over there if you don't want to, but I'm going to turn over there to Isaiah 53 in verse 7 and 8 because this is the passage he's referencing. But I want you to notice something in it that's very key. And a lot of people have pointed this out, and they start they, they, they kind of act like, well, the Bible made a mistake. I want you to look at it. I'm going to show you. Isaiah chapter 53. If you want to turn there, I'll give you just a second to find it. We're not in a rush. We run over a little bit. We run over a little bit. I gave you some change back last Sunday night, so I'm going to take it back this morning. All right. I'm going to do like they do in Congress. I'm reclaiming my time. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 53. This is the prophet Isaiah speaking about Jesus. Verses 7 and 8. The Bible says he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. Now let's stop right there, verse 7. Do you see any conflict between that and what we read earlier? Let me read it again. I'll read, I'll read over here in Acts. You can keep your eyes right there on the one in, on chapter, uh, chapter 53, verse 7. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. Somebody want to tell me what the difference is? It's not the same. Verse 7 in Isaiah 53 says, And as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. And then over here it says, As a lamb, like a lamb, dumb before his shearer. And so a lot of a lot of critics of the Bible have stopped and said, Now wait a minute, you know, that ain't right. That wasn't translated right. Well, I, I beg to differ. Here's why. The Bible says over here in Isaiah 53, verse 7, he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. But then it says, as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So it's describing a female sheep being sheared. Then when you get over here into Acts, it says, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer. So we have two different things. We have a, a grown female sheep, and then we have a baby or a small male lamb, which is not a full-grown sheep. What's, what, why would God do that? I'll tell you why. A, a female sheep, a full-grown female sheep, won't make a sound when she's sheared. A baby male lamb and a full-grown male lamb will not make a sound when they're sheared. But a baby female will scream and holler. So God wasn't wrong in when he said that. And because here's why. Because what did Christ do when he was before his accusers? He opened out his mouth. It makes no difference whether God uses a grown female sheep or whether God uses a, a, a small male lamb. The, the truth is the same. I just want to point that out unless you ever run across that someday and you say, oh, that doesn't make sense. Okay? So anyhow, back to my message. So this eunuch had been in Jerusalem. He'd been there throughout. He'd been there since Pentecost, and we know what took place. Jesus was crucified. He was in Jerusalem when Jesus was crucified. He was in Jerusalem when the, when the sky went black as night in the middle of the day. He was in Jerusalem when the earthquake hit. He was in Jerusalem when the graves burst open. He was in Jerusalem when Peter and John were preaching in Solomon's porch. He was in Jerusalem when Stephen was stoned. He had been around, and believe you me, those were not quiet events that were covered up by the media. Everybody in town knew about what had happened. And so he was aware of who Jesus was, and the Holy Ghost used the witness 
and the word to show him in his heart that Jesus was truly the Messiah. He was dealing with him as, as Philip approached, and he asked that question, who is this man speaking of, himself or some other man? And, he, and, and bless God, <laughs> he needed answers. Verse 34, look at it. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, who is speaking of this prophet this, of himself or some other man? So he's asking questions. He wants to know, who is this? So God sent a preacher, fresh from a revival meeting in Samaria, full of the Holy Ghost, down there to witness to him. You know what? You need the Holy Ghost of God stirred up in you to be a witness. You can't be otherwise. It won't be effective unless the Spirit of God draws somebody to salvation. They're not going to get saved. You can tell them all day long, but unless the Spirit of God is doing the drawing, they're not going to receive it. Now, is that a reason to not talk about Jesus? No. You ought to talk about Jesus if you ain't right with God. Amen? You ought to not refrain to speak about Jesus for any reason, but I'm telling you, if you want to be an effective soul winner for Jesus, you need to get filled with the Spirit of God. You need to get on your face before God and confess your sins and ask God to fill and control your life and get in the Word of God and walk with God and spend time with God and, and call on God and rely on God and lean on God and use the compassion of God to see the lost that meet Christ. So what happened? What did he do? What spectacular thing did he do? Look at verse 35. And Philip opened his mouth. We can all do that. And he began at the same scripture. We can do that. And he preached unto him, Jesus. Now, I made the point here a couple of weeks ago, and I said, you know what? I, if you ask me to tell you about my wife, I could tell you all about my wife because I live with my wife. I spend every day with my wife. But if you ask me to tell you about Jesus, I can do the very same thing because I live with Jesus every day. I spend every day with Jesus, and I know Jesus. And if you're saved, if the Lord lives in you, the Spirit of God lives in you, you know Jesus, and you can share Jesus with anybody too. If you're saved, you know how you got saved. And that's the only way anybody can get saved. It's not about the circumstances surrounding your salvation. It's about what happened. So we can all do that. He sent, God sent what that man needed. He needed somebody to show him Jesus, and that's exactly what he did. Now look at verse 36. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And by the way, I followed this, and I ain't got a map up here, but I know y'all know what Israel looks like. It's skinny at the top and spreads out at the bottom. There's a there's Sea of Galilee up there, and there's a Dead Sea down here. Well, Jerusalem sits right off the Dead Sea. Well, and here's Egypt and Africa down here. Well, this man had to leave Jerusalem and come down and go under the mountain and come across the desert down to Gaza, which is right by the sea. And he went there across the, across the Red Sea and went on into Egypt down into, down into Ethiopia. <coughs> so somewhere along this road, somewhere along this road, they found water in the middle of the desert. You know what else that tells me? God provided that too. I'm going to be honest with you. I got the map out. I blew it up big as I could, and I looked the whole way. I couldn't see any water anywhere. I mean, yeah, water evaporates. So I'm not surprised it ain't there now. But there was water there. God made sure in the middle of the desert somewhere there was enough water to baptize somebody in. And so he asked a question. He said, what doth hinder me to be baptized? That's a very important question. Now, why was he interested in baptism? He wanted to be identified. He wanted, he wanted to be identified with his Lord. Now, look at verse 37. Verse 37 is probably the most important verse in this passage. And Philip said, when he asked the question, he said, what does, what keeps, what's keeping me from getting baptized, Philip? He said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You know what that made me think of immediately? Romans 10, 9, which says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he gave a positive confession of salvation. Am I right? Okay. Do you know that Satan removed that verse of Scripture from the NIV? It's not just the NIV. There's others, too. 
But that verse of Scripture, they say, that's not in the most accurate readings. That's not in the most accurate manuscripts. Well, see, they say the most accurate manuscripts are the ones translated that was commissioned by the Catholic Church, translated by two lost men who believed in witchcraft and, and, and summonsing up spirits and things. A man named Westcott and a man named Hort. And they reject the Textus Receptus, which it means received text in Latin, which is the text that the church was copying and passing down through the church ages up until the time when our, when our King James Bible was translated. So it's not, it's, not a, it's not amazing to me at all that the devil wants to get rid of a positive confession of salvation. Now look at verse 38. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Now notice that. They went down into, to plunge into, to baptize. It is a picture of burial. Being buried into Christ, into something. I, I, read, I read so many commentaries on this, and they said he probably stood him in the water and laid the water back on him in a form of sprinkling. I thought to myself, when you bury somebody, you don't sprinkle a little dirt on top of them. You cover them in dirt. You don't want you you want to be completely covered in dirt if you're buried. Amen. So it, it wasn't a sprinkling. Praise God. They went down into the water, and if you look at if you look at verse 39, you see when they were come up. <laughs> you can't confuse me on that. If you go under, you got to come up. Amen. Or you going to drown? They said when they they come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went his way rejoicing. So they came up and they got out, but something miraculous happened right there, and we don't really hear much talk about it. But something incredible happened right then and there. The Greek word for caught away. The Bible says the Spirit caught away Philip. Did it? What does that mean? Well, it said the eunuch saw him no more. The Greek word for caught away is harpazo. Harpazo is used by Paul in writing of his experience in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2, of being caught up into the third heaven, which said, I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth such a one caught up into the third heaven. Well, the first heaven is where you look up and you see the clouds floating around. And the second heaven is where you look up and you see the stars. And the third heaven is where God is. So he was caught up. Which, and the word harpazo is the same word we use to get harpoon, which is where they fire that, that projectile, tie the rope into a fish, and yank it up out of the water. So it means to catch out or to catch up out of the way. So it's also the same the same passage that was used that Paul used when he spoke of the rapture of the church in First Thessalonians four seventeen, which says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, I don't get all technical, but I'm just going to give you a little bit of thought on this. In, in the Latin Vulgate version of the Bible, the Latin word for harpazo is raptus. Raptus means to be taken by force. And, and that's how it's translated in Matthew 11:12, which says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. It's used in Revelation 12:5 concerning the woman's child. Revelation 12:5, and she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, talking about Jesus, and her child was caught up to God and to his throne. What happened? He stood there on that mountainside, and while he stood there, those two men in white apparel were standing there with him, and he was taken up, and they stood there talking to the disciples after he was gone. They were angels. But he was caught up. This is the rapture of the church. And this picture is the rapture. That's, what that, that's exactly what happened when Philip came out of the water. He came out of the water and he was gone. You say, he left? No, he was gone. 
The unit come up out the well, they both went down, and when it came up, the unit came up, but Philip was gone. You say, that don't make no sense. It don't have to make sense. It's God's Word. A lot of things in there don't make sense with our physical brain, but we don't look with our eyes. We look by faith. So, I believe the Scripture leaves no doubt it was a supernatural thing that happened. And the sudden it was a sudden disappearance of Philip. It was immediate. He was miraculously translated to Azotus, which is another city which is over... Up the coast, and he was it was it was probably a good fifteen to twenty miles from where he was at, somewhere around in there, to where he ended up. So I mean, and they see Azotus is known as Ashdod. It's between Ashkelon and Joppa. So what do you think the Ethiopian eunuch thought when he came up out of the water? Where'd he go? Where'd he go? Did he drown? I bet he looked on the water. Where you at, man? I don't know. Maybe he searched for him for a little while. I don't know, but I know this. The Bible says that when he came up out of the water, he went on his way rejoicing. I mean, he comes. I mean, think about this. They come to the water. He asked to be baptized. As soon as they come up, he's gone. It says right there, the, Ethiopian, the eunuch saw him no more. So, but then the eunuch, what he did, he got in his chariot and he went on his journey, and he was rejoicing. Praising God, thanking God for salvation that he had. Probably thanking God that though here he was, coming home with with questions he didn't have answers to. Probably praying to God as he's going down the road reading Isaiah, God, please show me how to understand this. I want to know how to be, I want to, I want to know how to, how, how to understand what you've said to me about the Messiah. I'm asking you, Lord, show me. And lo and behold, God taps on Philip's heart and says, I need you to take a walk, man. It'll be a lonely walk. You ain't going to know where you're going, but I got something for you to do. And I want you to know something this morning. You may feel like you're on a lonely, lonely walk, and you may feel like God ain't never used you and ain't going to use you, and you may be wondering if God even will use you, but I want you to know something. If you'll get right with him in your heart, and if you'll stay right with him in your heart, and you'll be looking for God to use you, and you're asking for God to use you, and be willing for God to use you. God knows there's somebody somewhere that you need to go and talk to. There's somebody somewhere that needs some answers that only you can give. And you may say, well, you you, you can talk to them better, preacher, because you're a preacher. You know what? A lot of times people won't listen to the preacher. But they'll listen to somebody who's not a preacher because they're just like them. A lot of times they won't listen to me because they think, oh, he'll try to boss me and tell me this, tell me that, and try to be some big authority over me. So they come at it with a with a little bit of apprehension to begin with. But you take somebody, they ain't never taught Sunday school, they ain't never, they're just an average person. They'll listen to you. I learned that a long time ago. I was sitting in a McDonald's one morning, eating breakfast with my friend Willie Rogers. And I've told this before, but maybe some of you hadn't heard this. <clears throat> and he looked at me. Willie was, a, Willie was a, a black man. He was a Marine. He'd been in the Marine Corps. Good man, good man. We're sitting there having breakfast. We worked together. And he said, you know, Brother Brandon, he said, there's a lot of doors that you can knock on that I can't knock on. There's a lot of doors I can knock on you can't knock on. I said, what do you mean by that, Willie? He said, man, I go over in a white neighborhood. Or he said, he said, he said, if I go in a black neighborhood trying to witness, he said, they ain't going to listen to me. He said, get out of here, man. Get out of here with all that stuff. I don't want to hear that. Who do you think you are coming up here dressed like that? They, they, he said, they won't have any respect for me whatsoever. He said, but you let a white man come to the same thing. Oh, they'll come to the door and they'll listen to him. They want to hear what he's got to say. He's going this, this white man to come down here to my home, and I'm a black man. And he's going to come down here because he wants to tell me something? Oh, they'll listen to him. He said, yet the same thing. He said, I go to a white house, and I, I, I talk to a white family. He said, he said, you know, they might not hear you. He said, they're like, hey, come here. Man, out here making a lot of sense. Come on, this guy. For some reason, it's that way. I don't know why it's that way, but Willie Wong pointed that out to me that morning, and I've never forgot that. And he's right. A lot of times, it's somebody you wouldn't expect that you'll listen to. And I guarantee you, if you had to ask this man, this Ethiopian eunuch, a hundred thousand times, where are you going to find the truth? He wouldn't say it from some stranger came jogging down the road in the middle of nowhere. But that's how God works. God does things that you wouldn't do. God works in ways you wouldn't. God makes the impossible possible. God will take somebody from a revival and put them in the middle of nowhere to witness to somebody. I'm going to take you to one verse of Scripture and we're done. 
Luke 15, 4, Jesus said, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? That's who we serve. He'll leave the ninety and nine. He'll leave the revival go out in the middle of the desert to reach one man who's seeking God. I want to tell you this morning, there are people all around us that are seeking God. You may not recognize it. You may not see it with your natural eyes. But if you'll get close to Jesus, if you'll ask him to fill you with his spirit, if you'll be sensitive to what he's saying and how he's leading, God will show you those who are seeking. God will lead you to them and lead you right across their path, just like he did Philip, that eunuch. He didn't tell Philip who he was going to talk to. He just sent him out. And God hasn't told you who you're going to talk to, but he sent you out. Let's do what he asks, and let's let him use us, and let's let us give God glory with our lives. Let's stand together. We're going to have her come to the piano and play. We're going to have a song of invitation here in just a minute. We're going to sing softly and tenderly this morning. If you want to find that as we're talking, it's number 382. 382 in the songbook. We're going to pray before we do. I just want to say this morning. God's looking for a man who will be willing to go and talk to people about Jesus. God's looking this morning for a lady who will go and talk to people about Jesus. God's looking this morning for young people who will tell people about Jesus. God's looking for very old people who will tell people about Jesus. God, God will use a man who's on his deathbed to tell people about Jesus. God can use you this morning if you're willing to put yourself in his hand. Father, I just ask you this morning, please, work in our hearts. Use the message now. Lord, you, you, I preach that you, you do the work. Holy Ghost of God, you work and do what I can't do. Reach into people's hearts. And Lord, I pray that you'll, you'll draw them into a deeper relationship with you. Lord, one where, where you, can, you can have absolute control over the controls of their lives. Absolute control over their hearts. Father, I pray you draw to that place of consecration and dedication. Lord God, I just pray that you would work in our hearts this morning. Bless the preaching for the invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a song. Let's play number 382. 382. Softly and tenderly. Jesus. Song. you know, when you ask somebody, what must a person do in order to go to heaven? 
I can't tell you how many people say, well, you got to keep the Ten Commandments. But we know that nobody can keep the Ten Commandments. That's a soul-winning tool. You can say, well, have you ever done this? You ever say, well, you can say we can't keep them. But I, 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 as I went through this, and I went through the city of Clarksville, Texas, and I mind you, this is 1996. But as I went through the city of Clarksville, Texas, I found a ton of people who were religious but had no idea how to be saved. And I suspect it hasn't gotten better since 1996. So that tells me this. There, there is not a, a, a lack of opportunity to witness. There's just a lack of witness. Let's be honest with God. Let's, 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 let's be a witness for Christ. Let's be what we're made to be. We're designed for that, to witness and share the gospel. All right. Well, praise God. Had enjoyed being in church with you this morning, and I look forward to being with you tonight. We'll be back at 6.